Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about Kemba Walker, Tony Bradley, Sfima Luke, and the current salary situation we have going on in Oklahoma City. And you got to kick it out with Kemba Walker. This is news that kind of happened yesterday. So you kind of have a slight disadvantage when you get stuff done like immediately in the morning and then you get the news coming out two hours later. It's not a very fun feeling. So this is something that everybody knows about, but Kemba Walker is gone. The OKC Thunder have opted to buy out his contract and he is set to join the New York Knicks once he clears the waivers, which should take a couple days Got to make it process, and he'll be good to go. So he's going to sign with the New York Knicks on a deal worth roughly $8 million, trying to recuperate some of the value that was lost during his time with the Boston Celtics. Thunder got him. Rehab project didn't really work out, and now he is going to be in the Big Apple. And this was a deal that I think for some, they might be very disappointed, but this was the correct decision to make. When the Thunder originally moved out Al Horford and Moses Brown to get Kemba Walker in the 16th pick. Kemba Walker was nothing more than just another chess piece. Just as Al Horford was used, you use him, you try to get his stock up, and then you trade him off. But the scenario is a little bit different. Now, the way that they were going to be utilized, exact same. If we had Kemba Walker on the regular season roster, we would have just played him, got him pumped up in terms of value, and then shipped him right out. That's exactly what we did with Big Al, but since we now have Josh Giddy, we have Trey Mann, we have all these young up-and-coming guards, there's no room for Kemba Walker anyways, and if this was a center that the Thunder had, like a Porzingis, and they really didn't care for him, or Kevin Love, I think Kevin Love is untradeable, but let's say Porzingis, and they'd hate him, they'd still keep him around because they need minutes at center, and he'd provide it. You might be able to flip him and make him look like New York Knicks, Kristaps Porzingis, for example. But it just wasn't meant to be. So the big factor behind why Kemba got bought out was because there was simply no market for him. And the big deal whenever we did get Kemba was, is he ever going to suit up in a Thunder jersey? Most people believed that was not the case. It's not the case, but I personally thought, Kemba was going to get traded because you look down the line of, you know, what the league, some of the teams in the league needed, there's a lot of need for some point guards. When you want to run down the line, the Chicago Bulls, they kind of had an issue. They had Kobe White. Do they love him? Not really. They just got Lonzo Ball from the Pelicans. So they're X'd off that list. The New Orleans Pelicans, they just got rid of Lonzo Ball. They traded away Eric Bledsoe. They really didn't have a point guard. They just did a deal to get Devontae Graham from the Charlotte Hornets. And another one, the Washington Wizards. Truthfully, it didn't seem like the Washington Wizards cared for a point guard that bad, but they do want to keep around Bradley Beal. They just traded away Russell Westbrook. Maybe Kemba Walker could have given them, you know, their fifth try at a duo there with Bradley Beal in the nation's capital, but they decided to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. In a deal that I thought the Thunder would be involved in, they were not, but they got kind of left in the dust. So all these teams, one by one, 
got X'd off the list. And the Miami Heat was one of them too. I mean, when Russell Westbrook was looking to get moved, I'd say Chris Paul maybe to a smaller extent too, but they're always in the market to get a point guard. They finally got one in Kyle Lowry this offseason. And for the Raptors side, he's 35. Lowry would not have fit the timeline there. So they're good. They don't need Kemba Walker. They have Fred Van Vliet. The only option that would have made any sort of sense would have been the Dallas Mavericks because they don't have that true point guard, but Luka Doncic plays the point. So you could just try to get a secondary ball handler in another position, for example. So it wasn't like anybody was looking at Kemba Walker like a must-have guy. He was supposed to be someone you look towards as maybe an emergency plan, a backup plan, but an extremely good one. No one needed to go to that backup plan. And because of that, OKC, they were the ones who had to fold. They went to their last resort and that was waiving him. And a thing that we don't know is how much money did Kemba Walker give back to the Thunder in order to get away? Because whenever Blake Griffin was in discussions with the Pistons last season, he gave up, you know, a little bit of his salary, but it wasn't significant. It was like just enough to get out of there and get to Brooklyn. We don't know if Kemba Walker gave away half his contract, a quarter of it. Probably neither. It might have been less than that, but you know, you do negotiate a little bit in those sort of situations, and he's making a lot of money. The original deal, had he been dealt off or before he got released, he was going to be on for the next two seasons making $73 million. That is a nasty contract. And he's gone now. It doesn't mean the money's also gone. The Thunder are going to have to pay out 73 mil or whatever they agreed upon to Kemba Walker. And I hope and pray that they just get this over with in the next two seasons. Because if they want to try to stretch this money out for four or five seasons, sure. Does it ease it to where it's only 10 to 12 million a year? And it'd probably be even more, actually. It would, but you got to look at where the Thunder are currently at. The next two seasons are not going to have any championship aspirations wrapped around them. And the next five seasons, we don't know. I mean, it's pretty far out, but it's a lot safer to say these next two years are going to be made just strictly rebuilding. And we know this season, there's not going to be any championship coming our way. Next season, same deal. So I say they just let this go normally instead of making a Kyle Singler stretch where he's still getting paid for two more years and he's making like a million dollars every season. And that's not a lot in terms of NBA money, of course, but do we really want to see Kemba Walker on our payroll for the next 10 seasons? No, we don't. So just get him out of the picture and just part ways naturally. I think that's the best route to go here. And I think Sam Presti will probably decide to do that. We still just simply do not know. And with Kemba out the door, he joins a long list of people who have been traded for by the Thunder and then just immediately traded or completely cut off the roster. And there's Kelly Oubre on this list, Ricky Rubio, Trevor Ariza, Danny Green, James Johnson, a lot of guys from that CP3 trade, and even more because of how much activity they had. They got dealt over, and they were just out of there. And now Kemba's there, and his salary, 
might just be over everyone I talked about. Like, it was ridiculous. Maybe not, but yeah, he's making a massive amount of money, and it kind of makes it interesting hypothetical. Like, you could make the case that Rubio, Walker, Oubre, James Johnson, I don't even know what you'd say the center would be. The only one I can think of is like Myers Leonard, but that's not going to happen. So I don't know what your five-man rotation would be, but I would want to see that going up against the current Thunder team. Um, I'd probably go with the current Thunder team though. SGA, he's definitely better than all these guys individually, so he'd pick them apart. But it's just weird to see like all the different asset collection that the thunder have done just to you know move on from them is pretty wild in a 12 month span and i'm kind of curious where that will lead further down the line into the future but yeah i mean if you're heartbroken over this move don't be because kemba walker even though on paper he would have had the stats and he would improve the team in the win column it would have been just inversely affecting the future of this franchise because I know I'm going to say you might get a couple more ping pong balls or lottery balls going your way next year if Walker's off the team. Does it matter? We learned this summer, maybe not as much, but you still get more odds and you want to make sure that's the case. This class next season still has a couple of good gems in it. Do I like it as much as last year? Not right now. Haven't scouted enough on this one. But you're playing for high picks next year, and Kemba Walker would keep you in the running, just like SGA did, where he can try to chip in 20 points, and now you're playing nail biters, you know, eight times a month. You don't want to have that occurring on a game-to-game basis. You get rid of them, and instead, you get a lot more of the young talent to play next to SGA, and it's all about progression here. We need development to be the number one priority. Walker would have been a great mentor. But he wouldn't have helped five, six guards in a rotation. Josh Giddy needs his reps. Trey Mann needs his reps. Teo Maladon does. Ty Jerome. You just keep spinning and spinning on this glass here. A lot of people need time. And Kemba would have just taken away from that. So he's going to be able to join a New York Knicks team who has Derrick Rose on it. They just got Alex Burks. They got Fournier. Got a lot of different people on the roster now. So... It'll be cool to see him, you know, looking at a playoff team again, and he'll probably do much better. He's in a way better situation as opposed to Boston, but this was kind of beneficial to both sides. Anyways, though, wasn't the only Thunder player changing hands in the last day or so because Tony Bradley signed a deal with the Chicago Bulls, and this is a deal that is guaranteed for next season so it's a one-year deal but it's a one plus one so there is a team option following next year and if the team opts to keep him he'll stick around for two so the deal is going to pay him out literally the bare minimum for what his age is or his experience whatever level they range it by it's going to be 1.78 million dollars that he'll be making and if he makes it to the second year he'd be making two point zero three million dollars when you add that up that's three point eight one million dollars and that's for two years just for the thunder to place a qualifying offer on bradley it would have been over that well over a million i think it was 5.2 something to throw out a qualifying offer and they made a smart decision in not tossing that one out tony bradley's a great player but as i mentioned time and time again This is someone you look at as a sturdy journeyman in the NBA. 
And journeymen aren't getting paid five mil a year. They're kind of going off these one to two year contracts. And I bet he's a sturdy enough backup in Chicago to where he gets that extra year with them. But, you know, I don't think you'd be making tons and tons of cash. So I don't think the Thunder made a bad call and, you know, maybe shading him off. He's 23 years old, so he's pretty young. And his stats were nice, like 8.7 points and 6.1 rebounds in 18 minutes. That kind of production is unprecedented, but you had to look at where those stats were coming from and how he just really cannot shoot the ball. He is very solid rolling to the basket. I do like him, especially when it comes to boxing people out. So he'll be good playing a limited role in Chicago, but I don't think the Thunder necessarily are crying over this one, even though He was a really good acquisition from the Thunder. Really gave up nothing to get him. And even the guy that they did trade off in George Hill, he got waived by the Philadelphia 76ers. So no price to pay at all. Got Bradley and he got a couple second round picks in making that move. But there's even another guy that the Thunder have in some form cut ties with. And this isn't saying that he's not going to be playing for the Thunder it does kind of indicate that it's a highly possible. I'll put it that way. And it comes from Shi Mahailuk. We got him in the middle of the season. This was the trade that sent Hamadou Diallo to the Pistons, and we got Shi Mahailuk in return. During his time with the Thunder, he did a great job. 10.3 points, 3 rebounds, and 1.8 assists, playing 23 minutes a game. Bench roll did everything we needed. As a corner sitter, he could hit. He could pull up in the mid-range, and he even flashed some athletic ability dunking it down, and he just never did that with the Pistons anyways. But they pulled the qualifying offer from him, and they had one out originally. It was a really small fee to pay for him, and it was just a little bit upwards of $2 million. They still had that, had him restricted. That meant if there was any sort of contract going Sfi's way, the Thunder could match that, give the same amount of money, and Sfi would be returning to the Thunder on that identical contract. But now, since they decided to rescind that qualifying offer, he's unrestricted, and he can sign anywhere he would like. The Thunder, they have zero guidance over him. And they can still place an offer on Sfi, but if you're already going to pull you know, that two mil out of there, Chances are you just got out of the race entirely, and he was worthy of a spot on this team. When you look at what the Thunder have needed, maybe five years, for the last five years, having a three-level scoring backup at the two or the three was really high up there. You kept shooting and shooting when it came to the Fergusons and the Abrinezes, who they had moments but were never solidified on the roster. Sfi solidified himself in his 30 games with the Thunder, but... Now the timeline has shifted. He's a good guy to play on your bench, but you want to go after the highest upside. And though Sfee has a really high floor and he's going to be very good playing for probably playoff and contending teams next season, I don't know if it necessarily would have been the greatest fit to play with a rebuilding franchise. So now he's going to get the exact same offers as before. But I think one thing is this was almost like a gentleman's thing from Sam Presti because maybe teams were just afraid of sending out offers. Sfi, I don't know what his actual market value is, but I'm assuming it's not that high if there weren't any offers immediately coming 
his way. Because if you're only offering two or three million dollars, the Thunder, they're going to look at that and they'll pay him two to three mil. So it's almost like, why would you give him attention right now when you can go after the unrestricted free agents, for example? Now he's on that same playing field. And I think there's going to be a couple playoff contenders looking to take a shot with him because you check out what the Lakers have done with Taylor Horton Tucker, Malik Monk, all these other veterans. They're looking to build with some of those guards and teams like the Nets and the Clippers. They're going to want to get these solid contributors on a minimum contract or a very, very cheap one. And I think Sfima Hailuk is one of the top budget options at the shooting guard position. So we got rid of Kemba. Tony Bradley's gone. And it looks like Sfima Hailuk is also out the door. So you subtract the roster spots by three. The Thunder, they have a giant playing field, not just in terms of how many players are signed on the roster, but also the salary that they have. And going into free agency, they had the fourth highest salary cap available on signing prospects. It was just around $30 million, but there were some other big sharks out there looking to place bids on players. And it started out with the New York Knicks. They had $52.6 million. And I mentioned the Kemba deal. This isn't even including the Kemba deal right now. They have really just taken off all that salary in a matter of 48 hours. They re-signed a lot of their current core. Derrick Rose is back. Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, Fournier, Julius Randle, who's on an extension. He might have bird rights, though. And then you have Kemba. Actually, I don't even know if he has bird rights, to be honest. But they got all them back. And that does it for them. There's not $52 million left in their checkbook. They're down to like a million or something. They're looking at using their exceptions to get people now. Nothing really glamorous is coming out of there anymore. And the second place team came from the San Antonio Spurs. They had over $40 million in salary space. And they used it to get Zach Collins, Doug McDermott, and Al Farouk Aminu. I think they got a couple other people. I know some overseas guys have tacked on with them. But they also got rid of DeMar DeRozan through a sign-in trade. They might have got like Thaddeus Young in return, but it was not a good free agency for them. And even with all these moves, they still find themselves out. They have like five or six million dollars left of spending. And the third place team in the Dallas Mavericks, they had 33.5 million dollars. They re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr. They've got a couple other small signings. I know Boban will be returning for them. They have $3.7 million. So all these big name teams have already spent everything. And teams that have been close to the Thunder, they've spent everything. You know what the Thunder have done? They've given Isaiah Roby a guaranteed contract, which was like $2 million. And then they've just sat on everything else. Mike Muscala, sure, we'll even add that. SGA's deal doesn't matter for this season. They have $28 million remaining, and they have a ton of exceptions. The one they got from Steven Adams is like 27.5. I know they've accrued some off of like the George Hill trades, just anything they can make. I think Kelly Oubre might have even netted one for them, but they have a lot of money they can use these exceptions on, 
and it can allow them to use those on sign-in trades, for example, and the salary cap in general for them can help them just get people straight up. So $28 million in spending is huge, and when you look at what some of the players have been getting, maybe it's not that huge, but in comparison, no one else has the same spending ability as the Oklahoma City Thunder. The team with the second highest cap space, the New Orleans Pelicans, they have $13.5 million available. And there's a couple other nice trade exceptions coming out of other franchises, but none of them are going to top what you have with the Thunder. And these exceptions they have are about to expire. They need to get things done in the next couple of days, and there is a whole barrage of people they can you know, use their exceptions on and just use their space to get. And there's two different avenues they can go with it. And I think I brushed up on this in a podcast a couple days ago, but I'm going to go over it again. And it comes from how they want to use this money because they can stretch it as long as they want. No one is going to be getting richer as days go by. In fact, people are going to be losing more salary, signing people to the minimums or exceptions, whatever the deal is. No one's going to have $28 million unless there's a ridiculous trade. OKC, they're going to stay stagnant. And you know who else is going to stay stagnant? All these players who expected large deals that never got one. And you can use that to your advantage. You can trade out these types of players and get assets back. When you look at the top free agents still remaining, Dennis Schroeder is really high up there. Kelly Oubre is there. Reggie Jackson is still available, and so is Josh Hart, among other names. Those are four players that have legitimate value. You can sign them to deals that they feel like they deserve, and you know what? There's probably teams who are willing to give Dennis Schroeder 15 to $20 million, but they simply cannot. You take that contract, and you immediately move them off, or you wait for restrictions to come off of them, and you have a set deal in mind. Presti can do that, he can do it with multiple different players, and you can get back more second round picks, first round picks, even young rookie scale guys, if they so choose to do so. There's options there. And when you look at Schroeder, you know, he had an $84 million contract from the Lakers. He turned it down. Do you think he still is imagining 21 mil on average for the next four years? Probably not. His price has to lower just due to the market, and the same goes for everybody else. The Thunder can place the highest bid, and they can almost dictate the market if they so choose to do so. So if they want to do this, they can. Take a couple guys, just move them. You don't need to have them playing on your rotation because you saw it with Kemba Walker. It would not work, primarily at the guard spots. There's not a lot of people you know, at the three through five that are that flashy remaining on the boards. John Collins was available like 24 hours ago. He's gone now. He's not available. Julius Randle is gone. Not like you were going to get him anyways, but it's depleted there. Everything is kind of backcourt oriented and the Thunder, they don't need any backcourt guys. So if they get a backcourt person, it's almost just set up so they can flip them later on down the road, but that's one of those paths that since Presti has opened it up, he can just abuse it to the fullest if he wants, and I think he could really look towards that. 
another option that would get them more assets could just be repeating what has gone on with the Derek Favors trade, for example. And I think Favors is making like 10 million for the next two years, might be even less, but it's really not a contract you should be giving out a first round pick for. We got a good deal in doing that, and it probably is protected. We don't know, but it's still a first round pick anyways. There's gonna be more playoff teams or contenders who look at let's say a DeAndre Jordan and his $10 million contract for the next two and say, why do we have this guy? Nick Claxton, he's looked better than DeAndre Jordan has. And the market has Dennis Schroeder out there, Kelly Oubre, Laurie Markkinen. Why don't we trade away DeAndre Jordan? And then we can try to make a play on some of these other big name guys. You would get a first round pick almost for sure in doing stuff like that. So there's two different routes. You can try to take on bad contracts or you can take on these players who are on some pretty hefty contracts and then trade them away for some of the guys that really aren't all that flashy and are too on some kind of sketchy contracts. But you also got to keep in mind the Thunder, they could play it into their own favor and regardless they're going to benefit like they can get future assets they can get rookies but they can also just get whoever they want on the board and I think the main person still available is Laurie Markkinen out of Chicago he was misused with Jim Boylan Billy Donovan really didn't do any better like he was really dominant doing everything under Fred Hoiberg whether it was shooting from distance or trying to slash the basket even handling the basketball Hoiberg let him do that the keys were taken out of ignition when it came to Boylan manning the command. And the same has happened with Donovan, maybe to a lesser extent, but you don't see a lot of versatility from Laurie Markkinen anymore. And there's a lot of inconsistent games, but there's also a lot of potential. He's only 24 years old, and no one has been biting at him. Now, the Chicago Bulls gave him a qualifying offer, so they are the do-all, be-all when it comes to what goes on with him. But... I don't know if they'd want to keep him. They just got Lonzo. They just got DeMar DeRozan. A lot of money is just getting built up. And for two years or something now, it seemed like there's been an issue between Laurie Markkinen and the franchise. And it doesn't help they just traded Thaddeus Young away. Like, if he was still there, I'd be thinking Laurie Markkinen was just out of it. But that's not the case right now. So they might want to take him. But I feel like there would be a set price they have in mind where if you go over this limit, we're not going to give you an offer. We're not going to match that offer sheet. And the Thunder, they have enough money to exceed whatever the Bulls are willing to pay. That's for sure. And when you look at Markkinen, he's a four or a five. I've really showcased him in the last couple of days. I know I'm kind of banging on the same drum, but he's a four or a five. I think with the Thunder, he'd be forced to play center. He's really not that good defensively as a center, though. Moses Brown, for example, just ate his lunch whenever they played. And Moses Brown did that a lot to some of the, you know, scrawnier guys. Not back-to-basket players, I'd say. Against those post guys, he'd get just toyed around with. But he actually outperformed Laurie Markkinen, if I remember correctly. And I think that'd still be a struggle that would happen. 
you know, from game to game, but we just don't have anybody else that would be a better option than him, right? Like maybe Derek Favors, maybe Mike Muscala. They're both over 30 years old. Lori Marketing six years younger. So he'd be the clear option, but you'd kind of use him more for the offensive side of things because he was shooting above that 40% clip last season. A lot of it was coming off the catch and shoots and he doesn't have, you know, bricks for feet. He can move around. All right. Get him in a high ball screen scenario with SGA. He'll drive in. You can pop out to Markkinen or he can even slash inside because he can still go up there and yam down some alley-oops. So there's, there's ways he can contribute really everywhere on the offensive end of the ball. And he only averaged 14 a game with the Bulls last season, but it definitely spiked up with the Thunder. So he might be a budget person you could try to maybe scoop up from the depths and turn into a really good asset on an ex- insanely good contract. When I look at that, I'd probably look at Christian Wood as an example. And I'll tell you this, this is not a perfect comparison because whenever Christian Wood was finished with his deal in Detroit, no doubt about it, he was a monster. You know, even the year prior with the Pelicans, 10 or so games, he was a monster. No one could take him. And even if it was the back of the season where Marshawn Brooks looks like the next, I don't know, Kevin Durant, like... There's wacky stuff that happens, and Christian Wood was posting the numbers. It was clear he was different, though, and he was consistent with the Pistons. Probably, if I was a voter, should have won Rookie of the Year, or not Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player of the Year, going from number 450 to the best player on the Pistons. But he got a cheap contract with the Rockets now, and he's going to be hooked for a couple more years. That's what I see with Laurie Markkinen, and whereas... I'd say Woodstock just kept rising, and by the time he inked a contract, it wasn't really at full capacity in terms of his value. Laurie Markkinen has slowly just fallen, uh, and I'd say John Collins is kind of the exact opposite. Like, whenever they first got signed, John Collins was seen as a lesser version of Laurie Markkinen, and as years progressed, he kept rising, Markkinen has went down. I'd say right now, Laurie Markkinen's contract shouldn't be anything above $15 million. I think that's about where it would be at. I know the Hornets have been interested in a side-and-trade with him. That's about the written-up number that I've seen everywhere. 15 mil seems like a decent enough contract where you keep him on for the next three or so years, he'd be 27 years old, and you can reevaluate things. And he's also a person where... He would help you out, but the downsides of his defense might actually smooth things out to where you're not going to see a major impact in that win-loss column, but you might find someone you could seriously use in your long-term plans. So that's the other pathway Presti can use his cap with. And even on lesser projects like a Thon Maker, which might seem ridiculous to some of you guys, you can still do that. So they can make whatever moves to go long-term, go for the assets off of trades. There's a lot of different routes. And Presti, he probably has a whiteboard with so much just random stuff jotted down there. You probably can't read it. That's how many things he's thought of. And he'll probably continue to pick options apart until, you know, he has to pull the trigger on something, whether it's due to his trade exceptions expiring or maybe deals are starting to ramp back up again. But action is in suit with Sam Presti, and we're going to start seeing it in the next couple of days. So get ready for that. Also get ready 
for the Las Vegas Summer League. I had news on that yesterday with Rob Edwards officially joining their Thunder Summer League roster. That was my first report that I broke in before, so it was pretty fun. Gave me a bit of uh, an, an adrenaline rush, I would say. Maybe I'll get some more deals uh, broken in terms of that because the Thunder just do not want to make it public who's going to be on their team. We'll see you in the next couple of days, though. Starts on Sunday, so don't have to wait much longer. I'll get you guys the news on the Summer League and Free Agency in the next couple of episodes, and then we're going to start going to game recaps for the first time in a very long while when we take it to the Thunder going up against the Detroit Pistons. Got three more games teeing off after that one. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.